You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engines! The following is a paid program. This program may contain adult themes and nudity, and you can never go wrong with that. Speaking of always being right, views expressed on this program are those of life-experienced mechanics. Continued listening may cause addiction, and in rare cases, a rash. Discretion is advised. Buckle up, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car question for Dave or Alan? Call now, 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Okay, Al, let's hit it. Yee-haw! Hey, what a great day it is outside. Actually, my policy is if I wake up, it is a great day. Were you looking outside? Because <laughs> Steve was looking outside. Yeah. Oh. I wasn't paying attention. He, he, he saw a gorgeous model go by. Uh, Ferrari, Maserati, uh, Lamborghini. <laughs> well, she had four tires. We're not talking going about there. Her, he was talking about her headlights. Eh? We're not going Woo! there. Okay. okay. By the way, uh, our contest is now officially over. Uh, my girl Paula is going to do the calculations, and the computer will pick a winner. So next week we'll announce the winner of five hundred dollars worth of fuel from Walkaway Insurance and three prizes of one hundred dollars. All brought to you by Walkaway and Esso. I think mm-hmm. that's great. Excellent. Uh, joining us today, Jonathan Shule. Jonathan is with Car Generator. He's an inventor, and this is a phenomenal product. How many power fails you had so far this year? Uh, oh, we got whacked the other night, as a matter of fact, when that lightning storm yeah, blew yeah, through, yeah, yeah. and my alarm went crazy on my house. But I, I, well, thankfully, the power did stay up, but it does go down. And also, uh, my physiotherapist was camping, mm-hmm. right? Lost all her power. So I said, we've got a guy coming on today. Yes. And he will solve your solution. So everybody, a lot of people listen to us on campsites who got RVs. Well, you know, up north, uh, just this week, the uh, Brampton area, all that area was out. I know when it's out because the clock keeps flashing, you know? and, and the That's VR. all that keeps flashing, right? <laughs> exactly. You still have a VCR? Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> With my wedding pictures on it. <laughs> okay, and also we're going to be joined by the APA, uh, Georgini, who's in charge of that. He's the president. Uh, that's right. They did an undercover uh, test again on the car dealers this time in Vancouver, and they all got a failing grade. So we're going to talk about what's wrong in the car industry when you're going there and they offer you products that you don't want, or uh, you're in the ditch and they make you further in the ditch to try and make the deal close, and nine years of loans. Maybe they should throw in a shovel. We'll do all that stuff. And you know what? The phone lines are open, so if you'd like to call in, uh, we're going to be uh, back in just a few minutes, and we're going to talk to Norma from beautiful downtown Toronto, known as the Big Smoke. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Dave's Corner Garage with Alan Gilman, Dave Renniger. On uh, he's wearing a new shirt. You know, this guy's closed, obsessed. No, no, you're the one who always talks about Walmart. Uh, We're going to go right to the phones. We have Norma on the phone with an overheating car. Norma, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I have this problem if my car is overheating. Now, the coolant is fine. The fuels are good. The air conditioner works. The heat works, but the fan will not kick in for cooling the engine. What type of car is it? 
It's a um, Echo Toyota Echo 2002. Okay. Okay. Well, the um, first we have to find out if there's power going to the fan motor itself. Okay. And uh, and of course, if there is power and it's not working, well, then the fan motor is the culprit, and you'll need a new one. Um, or again, you're not getting power to the fan, in which case you're either looking at a bad temperature sensor on the engine itself. Yeah. Um, or it could be a fan relay. Uh, I'm not sure if it uses a relay or not, but the, it could be that. But there are a number of things you have to check first. It's not too hard to difficult, too difficult to diagnose, I should say. Norma, is it uh, using any fluids? Like, is it using coolant? No, it's not. It's not leaking anything. The car is in perfect condition. And what I didn't understand or couldn't understand is that why is the fan kicking in for the heat and the air, but not for the cooling of the engine? Yeah. It, it may have two separate fans, Norma. I see. Okay, sometimes they have two separate ones. One will be on one side, which is for the condenser, which is okay. for the air conditioner, and then the other side is for the radiator itself. Um, so, like you say, when you turn the air conditioning on, you do see a fan come on, correct? Yes. Okay, just, you'll have to look and see if there's two fans or one, all right? Because okay. if, if there's only one, well, then you know, in fact, that the fan does work because it comes on with the air conditioner, correct? Right. So, in which case, it could be just a problem with the temperature sensor itself or yep. the fan relay. You it know, what's interesting, Norma, is that this car is, what, 16 years old? Yes, it is. Isn't it, it remarkable? It has 128 clicks on it. I think it's absolutely remarkable that a car can go 16 years and, and still run properly. It's amazing. Because in our industry, when I first started, it was five, six years old. It was garbage. Yes, I know. And I love my little car. And as I said, it's in perfect condition outside of this. Yep. Problem. Yeah. So, bottom line is, you're going to have to attend a shop, get them to do the inspections Alan asked for, and uh, that problem should be easily resolved. Easily resolved. You know, I looked up uh, how much cars, like in 1920, how far did they actually go before they were scrapped? Right, right, right. It's like 30,000 miles. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And, and you know, warranties are only something that's come up in the last 20, 30 years or so. Yes. Apparently, at the beginning, you got like a Five-second warranty. Well, you know, one year, 12,000 miles. Okay. And then Chrysler introduced, it was Chrysler that actually started back in, I would say, 65, 66. Right. They introduced a five-year warranty. I wonder was if they were heard of. I wonder if they were forced to, because I knew someone, uh, a customer of mine actually said he was a Chrysler dealer back in the late 50s, and he said he just went about bankrupt because the yes. cars were built so poorly. Yes. And he had nothing but aggravation. What about what about now? Like, with the, typically you're seeing a lot more electric cars coming out. Yes. What are the war are the warranties? Warranties different on electric cars as opposed uh, eight to years for the batteries. They're giving out that eight years. I, I think the mileage limit's a hundred thousand miles or hundred sixty k's. So just, that's because the battery technology is so new and the cars are better to begin with. Phenomenal! It's absolutely phenomenal. If you go to the uh, last night, we were driving down and we actually saw a broken down car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my wife says. I haven't seen that forever. Like it was this, this Honda was stuck in the middle of the intersection with the flashes going, and. It wasn't working because uh, the battery looked like it was dying. And I'm going, look at that. It's a broken down car. I haven't seen that in like 10 years. Have you seen more cars coming into your shop, uh, especially the last couple of weeks we've had when it's been so hot? Yes. They're just overheating? Like, Absolutely. Because my low-profile tires, when it gets this hot, mm -hmm. light comes on the dashboard, which you want to talk about. So the pressure is changing. Yeah. That's apparently... A couple guys in my building are saying the same thing. They've got low-profile Audis and mm -hmm. whatever. And their tire mark, their tire gauges are coming on because they're just too hot. Yeah, I've had. Well, we were on the racetrack on Wednesday, and I Cayuga Speedway. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Cayuga. So, anyways, Let I had to come beat. in after about ten laps because my tires were melting. 
I'm sorry They're to hear that. They're actually melting. We came in and... and oh, is this the old joke about the snow tires? No, 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 no. Okay. It's what really happened. Your tires are melting? It was so hot on the track, we put the thing on the track. The track was like boiling. You could fry eggs on it. It was mm-hmm. that hot? Yeah. How well, hot? It was so hot. <laughs> it was so hot, Johnny. How hot was it? What was that one you had last week? It was so hot about the snake? It was hot in the snake's ass on a Texas, <laughs> on a Texas for that. <laughs> That's right. Get along, little doggy. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Why? We're going to be talking to George. Time. Edie from uh, the APA. George did a um, oh, right. uh, secret shopper for CTV. He does it every year. This time they were in Vancouver, and the results are amazing. So, George Edie, back in about three and a half minutes. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Smooth. Welcome back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Stick around. We have a unique new invention we're going to tell you about. Especially if you do any kind of camping yep. or you live in uh, anywhere in the Toronto or the GTA where you're near trees and there's thunder and you lose hydro, something great for your car from Car Generator that's coming up. Uh, Which never happened to you because I'm never going camping with Stephen. Why is that? <laughs> Stephen? Did I do something bad, Dad? All righty. Georgini's on the phone. George does what's called an undercover sting operation. Uh, they take cameras into dealerships and try and uh, buy a car and they kind of report back what happened to them. Now, one thing I didn't know before we start, George, is that in in Ontario, we have what's called all-in pricing. In other words, the advertised price must include all charges. That's not actually true in British Columbia, is it? Well, it is true in British Columbia and in four or five other provinces as well, so about half the country. Uh, one difference in BC is they don't require the dealer to add all the numbers together, but they do have to be in the ad. So you, you need to actually take out a pencil and total them, but you're supposed to see everything in the ad. So you end up roughly in the same place as you do in Ontario. So I saw a previous one of your films where they advertised a truck, no, it was a Kia, for a certain amount of money, went there and they told them the car was sold, and yet it showed up again later, uh, same car, same serial number, on another ad. So how Correct. how accurate do these guys have to be with their advertising? Um. The idea is, first of all, you're supposed to have all the numbers in your ad, and you're supposed to have the vehicle. And our view with that Kia deal was that it it was so good that they had no intention of of selling the vehicle at that ad price. I think we should make so it was clear a way though. To bring people in, and then they would tell you, well, it was sold, but we have something similar with a couple of extra features. It'll be about fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars more, and that that's called bait and switch. It shouldn't happen. Uh, when we shop for new cars, we find it's more common with the manufacturer deals. It's not as much a dealer problem mm. uh, as it is with the ma- a car maker. So when you see a basic Honda Fit for $15,000 or a base Corolla, the ad doesn't tell you that uh, it's going to take you three months to find a vehicle or that there's only one or two in your, your entire province and they're running it in, you know, every day in the paper. I think, George, we have to make clear to the fact that, in terms of OMVIC anyways, the, that rule only applies to dealer ads as opposed to manufacturer ads, correct? Correct, and that that's one of the problems in Canada. Why can't they... So we have two tiers. The dealers are actually uh, subject to um, a more robust uh, regulations, and they're under the authority of a provincial regulator, and somehow the car makers... Um, are just uh, basically not monitored anywhere as cl- as closely. We would have liked to see one set of rules for everybody, and I think that would solve a lot of the times when when a dealer is is considered for being offside or not correct in their ad. 
often it's a corporate ad. They just have their name on it, but they're running the promotion from the manufacturer. And that's a problem across Canada. Fascinating. And I see a lot less of print ads and a lot more Internet uh, uh, stuff going on. So uh, newspaper has almost disappeared. Yeah. I think that's harder for a regulator. They used to be they could go out and buy three major papers and have their bases covered. Now you need to be looking not only on dealer websites, but um, often there are vehicles that are being advertised as well individually on other platforms as well. So let's talk about some of the charges. Administration fee, 1500 bucks. Well, in Vancouver, we had a, a brokerage fee. A broker from a dealer? Explain yeah, that. Explain that Isn't that wild? Fee. Yeah. Um, well, you should explain what it is for the audience. Uh, we don't know what it is. After we negotiated <laughs> the price of the car, car and the ad, there was a brokerage fee of 795 bucks. But basically, there is no broker because it was just a regular dealer sale. It's just something they pulled out of thin air. I love it. And, you know, you were talking about lease returns. You had to pay a fee when you returned your car yeah. at the uh, end so of a lease. something that you're now seeing in some of the leases. If you want to buy the vehicle out, they hit you with a um, processing or other charge. But the, the, we also found one where even if you don't buy the vehicle out and turn it in, they charge you 300 bucks for mechanical inspection. Well, and in- that's, not, that's not something that you would necessarily know going in. It's a surprise you would get after. It's just that our shoppers look for those kind of tricks. Well, are you and talking so about you- the cost of, well, because when, when someone's going to buy the, back their car, they will need a certificate of mechanical fitness. Or are you talking about something over and above that? 300 bucks. Uh, on top of the safety charge? Payable to the dealer. Oh, wow. You know, that happened to me uh, with Mercedes. Uh, the wife, the, I'm, Steve says I shouldn't say the wife. My wife. Said it twice. <laughs> much better, much better. <laughs> whacked three wheels, I whacked one. And so they told me the car had $8,000 worth of damage because the wheels had a little curb rash on them. And oh I said, my. that's insane. So I bought the car. I walked in there with a check for 29000 plus the taxes. And I said, here yeah. it is, give me my ownership. He said, well, you know, there's a charge of $600 for... Uh, Transfer. Uh, transferring. And I go, That's not right. I'm not comfortable with that. And he, he says, what do you mean? I said, are you effing crazy? And I went <laughs> and I contacted the Mercedes head office, and they just backed right off and just gave me ownership. So you were wow. talking you were talking briefly about, first of all, there's the brokerage fee that, that, was non, that shouldn't have been there. Made up. And then the $300 that they sort of slid in there yes. for. So you're talking a grand right off the bat. And so what happens when you get stung like that? Is there any recourse? In theory, you could see the provincial regulator. Um, If you already took a vehicle home, they might say, well, you know, you agreed to it in your deal, so the dealer is offside. We'll open an investigation, but uh, we have concluded that you um, accepted that price. So it's a tricky spot to be in. Um, It's called being in the ditch. You're done. Yeah, it's a little difficult. Uh, I think one of the things that we suggest is at least keep copies of ads when you shop because you might not even spot these things until after you own it. And if, if you're told certain things, have them written out. You know, just have someone put onto the sales agreement by hand anything extra that they told you that you might be getting. Or you bring and, in, uh, uh, maybe you bring in a camera. You bring your phone in, and, you know, worst comes to worst, you just you document it. I guess so. And that's if they get nervous... Upping, uh, yeah, you could definitely put, if not a camera, you could definitely have your phone on, on uh, you know, recording a voice file. Yeah. But uh, it's it's an extreme measure to have to take. Um, 
the one the one thing also that people don't talk about is that when one dealer is doing this, say one all four Kia dealers that we looked at had roughly the same price for a Kia Soul, one guy's seven hundred and fifty dollars higher than everybody else, but it doesn't show in his ad. George, we're going to stop you for one second. We're going to go for a quick break, and we're going to bring you back with that thought. And I do want to talk about what a bi-weekly payment is, because I think that's an important point. All righty? So hang on for a second. Uh, We're going to go and uh, pick us out. And we'll be right back. There you go. (laughs) That was smooth. I like that. (laughs) All righty. Dave's Corner Garage. We're back in with George. Uh, George... We got you on the yeah. phone for just a little bit longer. I want to talk about the advantages or disadvantages of a bi-weekly payment. And now there's weekly payments. Yes. Yeah, so uh, bi-weekly uh, basically uh, times your payment with your paycheck. So it's automatic withdrawal yep. within a day or two of you getting uh, your paycheck. I guess if you're managing your cash flow that it's very tight, it might seem like a easier than having to uh, have a monthly withdrawal. Yeah, but the advantages for the company is you're getting 13 payments a year versus 12. Correct. So uh, what ends up happening is that uh, bi-weekly is not actually half of a monthly payment. It's shorter than half a month. Mm-hmm. So you can't just divide your monthly payment in two to work out the bi- bi-weekly payment. But many retailers do that. As a consequence, you're paying a little bit more for your vehicle than you should. So you need to be aware that there is only one month that has exactly four weeks, and that's February. So if you do if you do weekly, longer. Dave, if you do weekly, yeah. weekly is worse. I'll tell you why. Uh, you could even see stuff now advertised for fifty nine bucks, like on billboards when you're driving. And um, when you get into the dealer, almost always on those deals, when you ask them to do the calculation, they'll tell you, "Well, it's like uh, sixty two bucks plus fees and taxes," and you think, "Well, three dollars." You know, I guess that's like 59 bucks, but actually it's $3 a week. And $3 a week for the seven or eight-year average of a car loan works out to over $1,000 more. They just wow the price. So buying on a weekly payment makes it very, very hard to know if you're paying the right number or not. So what we suggest to people is during the negotiation, stick with monthly because that's what most people know. And then at the very end, if you want, ask them to run the same calculation doing it bi-weekly. And see if, if that's if you prefer to pay every two weeks. Do you know but what I noticed though? Uh, when when they do that, I'm really sorry, Mister Ini, but there's a different interest rate if we're doing biweekly than there is if we're doing it weekly. You know, it's it's point uh, nine yeah. at biweekly, but it's one point two if we're doing it weekly or whatever. Yeah. So that you cannot compare because the well, system's rigged. It's tough, and then you're right. You're dealing with a player. <laughs> what am I going to say? You can't. We can't catch everything. Yes. But, um, but I, I definitely, we have seen it on the weekly for sure. Um, it's a way for them to add a small little extra charge every week, and it works out to a lot of money. Do you see so an overall? I, I, I think, pardon. I was going to say, do you see? An, we're running out of time. But I was going to say, do you see an overall improvement in the in the uh, buying process with the dealerships being more straight up? Um, yes and no. Uh, what is happening is that de- margins for dealers are not enough. The car makers are squeezing them. Yeah. And as a consequence, we're seeing that the extra charges are, are going up. I think Ontario also is a much a better market for a, a retail customer than, say, Vancouver would be or, or, or um, Alberta, where the regulator doesn't have as much of a handle on what's going on. Fascinating. 
Fascinating. Okay, uh, APA is actually, if you have a problem, we can come to the APA. There's, you, you charge a membership fee, right? Yeah, but you can visit the website. Many of our services are no charge. So if you want to look at a vehicle review or you want to check um, on, on some of these investigations we were talking about, mm-hmm. it's all up there. Uh, you can see the list of all the extra charges, too, and what we think of them and what you should be paying for them. So that, that's also a help uh, that can help you with your buying. What's your, what's your website, George? So it's www.apa.ca. Great. And George is on uh, locally, I think, CHTV or CH or Rogers. Yeah, we're on CHTH. CHTV with uh, Lorraine Summerfield. And you That's do right. a car help show up there, which I've been on. I've been on that show. Were you? <laughs> Me too. Yeah, you were. You. I was there <laughs> once. That <laughs> was lonely. I want you to call him back. <laughs> George, thanks for calling. Oh, it was a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Interesting stuff. Thank you very much, George. Okay, bye now. All right, bye if bye. you want to talk about interesting stuff, this is a really breakthrough invention. So if you've done any kind of camping and you run out of power, anything like that, or you've had your trees fall down, like you, Dave, in your area where you live in Toronto, mm. and you lost power, this is a place to find out more. We're going to talk to the inventor of Car Generator right after this. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Stick around. Alrighty, we're back, and Jonathan Schlue's on the phone. Jonathan is the inventor of a product called Car Generator. Now, we've had so many blackouts in the city, I wish I'd had this thing before. Jonathan, really? good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hey. Uh, so this is a, actually a device that you connect to your car, and it powers your house or, or your campsite, or tell us about it. It sure does. So thanks for having me on the show. Uh, first of all, it's car generator, all one word. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a cool invention. Uh, just a month or two ago, I was actually uh, on Dragon's Den, a pitch to them. I can't say what the result was, but um, it's uh, watch for it in the fall. We'll Hang on, on what's that? You're saying you were on Dragon's Den? Yes, sir. Was Mr. Wonderful there? (laughs) No, he's actually not there anymore, and there's a couple new twists that are coming out, which you will very much enjoy in the fall. Fascinating. So it was a great experience, definitely. So so it's a cool invention. Uh, Basically, I ran a tech company for 20 years. I sold it, and we bought the RV of our dreams. We love to go camping. We bought an Airstream RV, and uh, we love it. We love to be able to camp, but we don't always want to be able to have to go on the campsites that have power because some of the most beautiful sites are amazing, but they don't have power. Right. So I invented, came up with a way that I could basically produce power from the vehicle that I had. I like taking, I like less stuff, less Mm. things to store in your garage, less things to carry with you. So I thought, why would I take a generator and a bunch of gas cans and a bunch of stuff camping or even for my home when I've got three quarters of a generator sitting right there in my vehicle? Now, if you live in a really um, in a very difficult location where you use a generator a lot or every day or very often, then you're probably best served with a full gas generator. But if you just need it occasionally, this is the perfect product. So how long does it run? I mean, how long does a car run when it's hooked up to the generator? Exactly. So there's no batteries in this. Basically, this just takes a, a generator essentially is four parts. It's a, ga- a gas tank, an engine, an alternator and an inverter to convert the power. So your car has a, a big gas tank. It has an excellent engine with great emissions control that's better than most generators out there, actually, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you won't pollute the environment. And it's got a very good alternator. Most of them are quite good capacity. 
So all you need is the last piece, which is an inverter. And at first, I just hooked up a basic inverter from Canadian Tire, and that was nice. But the problem is when you're camping in the rain or when you need power, a lot of times it's in bad weather. So I developed a very unique weatherproof, rainproof enclosure because it has to be ventilated. They run quite warm, and they need to be ventilated. So this allows you to pull it out. It's just 16 pounds, and it can run in the rain. So it's just 16 pounds, the size of a backpack when the power goes out. Or when you're camping, you basically pull this thing out, attach it to your car, start your engine, and your car, you can run it for a couple hours. But just to give you an idea, you can actually run from the fuel in your tank and the studies on our website, www.cargenerator.com, that show in the FAQ section that show you can run a typical vehicle on a tank for between 50 to 70 hours if you need to. Wow, that's two days. So when, a bad, when a bad storm is coming in, um, all you do is one thing. Go out, fill up your gas tank, and that's it. And the next day, if no storm happens, you walk away a winner because you've got a full gas tank. And if you do need uh, power, you can run and last for comfortably up to 50 to 70 hours. Jonathan, let me ask you a question. Okay, so you're not camping, but this time you got it at the house. Yep. Right? So does it power the house, or does it power the furnace, or does it power the fridge? or? How- yeah, how how do you actually hook it up? I understand one side attaches to the battery in your car, correct? Yep, to the battery of the jump start points, and that's in electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles. Um, we have a friend that has a Chevy Volt that bought one, and he used it in an ice storm, so it works on all different kinds of vehicles. All right, so the question yeah. is, what's the other hookup? The other hookup in the uh, car generator, there's a two standard 115-volt um, outlets, and it gives you up to 1,000 watts of power. So that will vary slightly by vehicle. If you've got, you know, a big uh, F um, or a big you know, pickup truck with uh, dual alternators, you get a bit more. If you've got a tiny, tiny, um, you know, urban vehicle, then it'll be a little bit less. But basically, it gives you up to a thousand watts of power. And what you can do with that is you can power your furnace. So, as an example, we had an ice storm. We were without power for three and a half days. Wow! And we ran from our car. Our furnace stayed warm. Uh, some pumps, so in this most recent ice storm, a fellow ordered one, um, and he turned out to be a block and a half away from us. So I actually turned up the next morning at 9 o'clock, and his house was down to 13 degrees Celsius, mm-hmm. and he had emptied 45 buckets of water from his sump in his basement. So he basically rolled in, hooked it up to his Subaru Outback that he had, and started it up, and his sump pump ran his hot water ran, his uh, furnace ran, and everything was great. Jonathan, so, hang on for one second. We have a call coming in for you. Sure. Um, let's go to uh, line one, and we have uh, Paula on the phone. Paula, good morning. Hello. Hi. Hi, how Hi. are you? Great, thank you. We have a question? I was wondering, I'm not too clear on how it works if you're camping. Okay, uh, Jonathan, can you help the lady? Sure. Uh, so you can actually, if you go on cargenerator.com, you'll see on the main page, and also um, if you look at the videos page there, it shows you pictures of us actually camping and videos of us camping. So what you do is you attach it to the front of your car, and it will give you up to 1,000 watts of power. So as an example, we, have, uh, we love solar, and on our Airstream, we've got a half a kilowatt of solar on the roof, 520 watts, that's five or six panels, and... That's great when it's a sunny weekend like this one, but when it's rainy and you're stuck inside 
and you want to watch TV or you want the kids to play games or you want something, basically this just attaches to the front of your car and um, you start your car um, you, just like you would a regular gas generator. You start your car and this will then power up. You can basically plug it into your trailer. So we use it to make cappuccinos in the morning. We use it to make uh, to mm. run the trailer batteries, um, margarita blenders, ice makers, beer fridges, all kinds of different things that you can do with up to 1,000 watts. So when you plug it into your trailer, that'll power, that will power everything in your trailer? Not everything. One of the key things, it will not power air conditioners because air conditioners right now are very, very big hogs on RVs because okay. RV manufacturers really aren't incented to make them efficient. Um, the ones at home are more efficient, like the room, a small room-type air conditioner it could power, but um, in RVs, they're not. So this draws too much power. You can power other things. So the most important thing, if you're running low on batteries in your RV, um, you can plug this in and it will charge your RV batteries just exactly like as if you had plugged into campground power. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you for the questions. And Jonathan, what's the website? www.cargenerator.com. All one word. Thanks. Alrighty, good. What a fascinating piece of equipment. Alan, take us out. All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage. If you've got a car repair question or anything like that, give us a call right now. Welcome back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. And uh, for those of you who are just calling in and we couldn't keep you on, uh, if you want to find out more about this company for powering when the power goes gone, go to www.cargenerator.com. And you'll see a video of how the whole thing works. So it's you know, great people, here in, people here in the city aren't aware of it, but uh, I had a friend who had a cottage up in Bracebridge, and apparently, because this whole area up there is like uh, it's a, it's a magnet for um, lightning strikes. Yes, they have power outages <laughs> weekly. So this would be a perfect device for that. Well, when we had the the big storm. I guess it was what Thursday mm-hmm. or Wednesday, and we lived downtown. The CN Tower was hit twenty three times. Wow! wow. Boom. Didn't help the Jays. I did help the Jays last night. Yeah. All right, Dave. <laughs> got Dave, an email. You got an email. I got an email. Mm-hmm. Guy writes, uh, he's having a problem with his Toyota. Toyota. And uh, they've already replaced the uh, TPS sensor and the uh, intake system. So his question is, can you explain to me the process of finding a code and where you go with it? All right. Well, you can pick up a code reader. You know, or, I, mean, you, I guess you could rent one, but for the most part, you can buy a very inexpensive code reader for about $35, $40 yes. at the local tool place. And what you're going to do is you're going to plug it in. It'll identify your car. Your car has to be on. Not running, but the key has to be on. And then it'll it'll ask you, what do you want to do? Do you want to read codes, um, erase codes? So all you do is press on yes, and you read the code, and then it'll just show you a number. And then it'll either start with a P. Uh, it'll be four, uh, four numbers after that. And then there may be a description, depending, again, on the quality of the tool. There may be a description. There may not be. Um, either way, what you've got to do is you've got to take that code number and you've got to diagnose why it's lit up. So, for example, if it just says oxygen sensor or if it just says catalytic converter, it doesn't mean that you just go to the store and buy a new yeah, part. Yeah, that's what's happening. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And that's the problem. This is where people get in trouble. People, you know, hobbyists or people who don't have the experience, they go, oh, oxygen sensor code. I must need a new oxygen sensor. Well, they'll go and buy one and then put it in. And, of course, and then, you, then you erase the code, you drive the car, hope you got it right, and then you're fine. But if that wasn't the problem, then your light's going to come back on and, and it'll be the same code number. And you go, I don't get it. 
And it's not because the new part's no good. It's because that wasn't really the issue. Um, so this is where you have to, you know, spend some time. Yeah, and then if you go, a lot of these guys go to the internet, YouTube, and they there's a guy changing oxygen sensor, and of course his light goes out. Right. But it could be the catalytic converter not, not heating enough. It could be uh, a, a bad cylinder. A lot of times, a- for example, it could be a little crack in the exhaust. Yep. Where all of a sudden outside air is coming in, and of course the oxygen sensor doesn't know why it's getting this extra oxygen, um, but it's showing that it is. And um, that's why, again, you've got to go underneath. Now, um, most manufacturers have shop manuals. Um, you can find some information online, but it's important that you, you should follow what they call a diagnostic trouble tree. In other words, you start at the top, and it'll say, if your light is on, go ahead and check the following. I mean, we had a, a Chevy Cobalt or something like that this week, and uh, the immediate reaction was, oh, it needs a new computer because we weren't getting the proper voltages, and we called the jobber, and he said, oh, yeah, we, we sell them all the time. We got them in stock, you know. Um, but before you go ahead and spend $400 on a new computer, then have it think, you got to go through the tree. And once we went through the tree, as a matter of fact, in the end, what was causing this issue was a bad sensor in the gas tank okay <laughs> the opposite end of the vehicle and of course so that repair was just a couple hundred bucks um as opposed to i ran into one like that it was a ford sho mm-hmm. and uh bad shifting really hard shifting mm-hmm. uh and couldn't figure it out we just had it so i sent it to the tranny shop he did a proper diagnostic and it turned out to be the alternator. Not uh, enough basic voltage to do the shift. You know, we've seen problems where, believe it or not, a brake light being burnt out was enough to uh, stop the anti-lock brakes from working properly. Yes. Really? And remember yeah. years ago, we had, uh, a few years back, we had, uh, forgot his name, um, from Mr. Transmission? Oh, uh, Randy. Randy. Randy was on, and he was talking about a transmission not shifting properly, and it turned out that someone had changed the backup light bulbs in yep. the car, and they'd put on a funky new style. It was like, you know, high, high output or halogen or, or diodes. And that was enough to affect the computer to make the transmission not shift properly. Do you remember right. the first time you were you actually had to use anti-lock brakes? Scary and it, stuff. And it, the first, we had a Chevy Beretta, which went like stink. It was mm-hmm. great. But it was icy. I had to hit the brakes right away. And it's, all of a sudden, the, the brake starts bumping around. Right. It's like, what the hell do I do now? And the wheels, now with the new car that I have... It has all these sensors, and if it's really snowing mm-hmm. hard or it's raining hard, there's nobody around, and the sensors go off, and it locks your wheel. I'm going, that right? this is nuts. It could be the uh, traction control that's uh, kicking in. That's know. what I've heard, yes. And this right. is why you have to read the manual. Now, with track, you know, that, that anti-lock brakes, they hesitated in bringing them out because man, no manufacturer wanted to have a car that stopped faster than the one behind it because they were thinking there's going to be a lawsuit. Really? So they, they sort of held back and held back and slowly started to bring it in as people started to get used to it. So, you know, you always got to wear it, especially in the States when they're so litigious that they'll sue you for a bad key, <laughs> which is half of the General Motors. All right, you hear that music? It means we're going to take a break. I do want to talk about um, German reaction to Trump's uh, suspected or intended tariffs of bringing cars in from Germany, and we'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Just a reminder, if you want to check out more about uh, when the power goes out and you need something going on uh, from your car, this is the place to find out. www.cargenerator.com. 
Very cool. No, I like when they go, wow, we got the power. That's amazing. Because, <laughs> you know what, we had our power went off in our, in our condo this week, and like, all of a sudden you go, wait a minute. How do you uh, get downstairs? Uh, you don't. You just look out and you fill up your glass and go, okay, hope we're all right. No, but, you know, I, I was laughing. All the, all the food goes. It's like, okay, how much food have we got in the fridge now? It's gone. But if you're up there for three days... But I also saw people on Facebook talking about their kids, how, you know, the kids are so dependent on their phones and everything, yeah. all their electronic devices, that they, and they don't know how, that you could, they have books that eh, you can read and stuff, and no. there's other things you can do, and the kids were like totally lost, and then this will put them back online. So, Mr. Trump is on a rampage of trying to protect the American car industry, and um, I don't agree with what he's doing, but... He is going to increase the import tariffs, especially on cars from Germany. Mm-hmm. All right, because German cars in the marketplace are pretty strong. Okay, I'll pretend to be Angela, and okay. you can pretend to be Miracle. Donald. You can be Miracle. <laughs> Anyways, so up, presently, cars imported from Germany get a two point five percent tariff on their on the cars. He wants to move it up to twenty five percent. Whoa! Ach right? du lieber. Now the other way around, American cars going to Europe have a ten percent levy. So already says, or no, right, already right now. Okay. Yeah. So what's been happening is every German car company in the world is trying to rent every boat that moves and get as many cars into the U.S. as possible before this tariff sort of comes into effect. It's like the war. It's like oh, that's exactly what it is. Volkswagen apparently has rented every ship going, trying to bring vehicles into the U.S. so that they have VWs in stock to sell. Hmm. But isn't he also saying that? All this NAFTA trade talk is now going to be on hold until the next set of elections yes, are, are coming up. That's right. So he's, you know what, he's a cowboy. You Sorry. know, the reality was when we used to have free trade between Canada, United States, and the car industry way before NAFTA, that was when Mulroney was the premier, prime, prime minister. But the reality was it worked well. There was no problems. There was parity, parts went back and forth. There was just no problem at all. Then we did uh, NAFTA and we got really in trouble because our money was so poor. I wonder how many diplomats in the U.S. and here in Canada uh, are driving Mercedes. Yeah. Well, listen, I, we have two of them. They're good cars. They're just playing good cars. Mm-hmm. But you and, know what? I, I find it, but I, I can't feel bad. I'm, I'm thinking, but if you can afford a $100,000 car, you can afford an extra ten grand, you know, for the tax. Excuse me, mine was, mine was $4,500. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had an old beater, you know. You bought it at the scrapyard. No, but yes, you're right. If it's a $100,000 car, you can pay in gas guzzler tax, you pay air tax, you pay tire tax, air conditioning tax, uh, you know, whatever else, they're, they're HST. You pay a ton of money on top of the car, right? Probably another 15 or 20% of just taxes are inflated. Now you add another tariff on top of it, that's going to put the car way out of well, range. To your point with uh, what Trump's trying to do, and of course, you know, my favorite sport I never talk about, golf, is uh, the members of his course down in, what, Key Largo, wherever he is down there? Mm-hmm. Uh, Largo. Something like 75% of his members all drive Mercedes. <laughs> they're not, you know what? Their handicaps have gone up because they're a little bit upset with well, the guy. Mercedes actually builds cars in Georgia and Alabama. Kia builds in Alabama. They all build down there. So if they're building, how's that going to affect them then? Well, those cars will be okay. Those, they'll be tariff-free. But except they have to have a minimum of American content. Exactly. So it all depends, too, on where the parts are coming from. Yes. Because a lot of times the, the manufacturing facility really is just an assembly plant. Okay? So is that a tipping point, do you think, Al and Dave? If he starts with Mercedes, would he then move to Kia? Yep. Any cars made everybody. in China? Yep. Especially China because they're, they're really after them right now. He's, he's, he's apparently figured out that they're the problem, that, that, that we are, we're, we're the worst because we gave them all the work to do, mm-hmm. and now we're not going to be buying it back. So it's interesting what's going to be going on. There'll be a lot of this stuff going on for the next few years as they sort of sort this out. And uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's 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 an interesting subject. And uh, we're, it's a big concern here in Canada, too, because, you know, in Ontario specifically, how many people are dependent on the automotive industry? Tons. As far as Yeah, thousands and thousands. One job at the factory is worth 18 jobs outside the factory. Really? Yeah. Just in support and yep. supplies? Yep. And, and direct, directly one to eight. Hmm. Right? Uh, Mitsubishi is coming up with a new image program. They want to, all the dealers to upgrade their facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a record month last month. You know, good ads. Uh, Nissan bought Mitsubishi, by the way, bought controlling interest. Really? So Nissan, Renault are the controlling interest for Mitsubishi, uh, the car. And they're bringing out some nice stuff. They got a nice little crossover. What, uh, what, the, what, specifically, what vehicle are they selling that's hot right now? SUVs, SUVs, okay. everything. American, Americans have all of a sudden discovered an SUV. Used to, they only buy cars. Now they discovered that uh, what well, we've known for years. It's happening. Works. It's happening here, too. You see yeah. a lot of cars that are no longer, you know, they're going to the, the Honda's, uh, the new SUV that they have. It's kind of cool. It's a cute little car. Yep. And uh, they're everywhere. As a matter of fact, um, on next week's show, we're going to have uh, Norris McDonald. Yep. Norris and he wrote an article this week about the new Nissan Kicks. He seemed to like it a lot. Twenty grand approximately for that truck. And uh, they, they actually call them trucks. Trucks, so, really? Yeah. So they say, you know, car business uh, sales are down. But what they're not telling you is they have record years in SUVs and trucks. You it's know, funny how people are, you know, they get that in their mind where, where somebody comes in with a, a crossover and I'm going, oh, you mean your van outside? And they go, it's not a van. Yeah. <laughs> I go, well, it's not a car. Okay. Yeah. They get so upset about that. Listen, we want to thank Georgini for joining us all the way from uh, Quebec. And, of course, Jonathan from uh, Car Generator. That's an interesting product. And as a matter of fact, we're going to talk to him. Maybe they can get one for us to give away on the show. Maybe we can do that next That'd week. That's kind of cool. That. And next weekend, we're going to have uh, Vince Beretta in from Walkaway Debt Protection. So you're talking about buying yes. new cars. This is a really important way to cover your uh, rear bumper, so to speak. All righty. <laughs> 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 thank the boys in the other room next door. For, yeah, thank uh, you, Sebastian. Doing a great show. for doing a good job. And uh, keep the shiny side up and the greasy side down. Go See Belgium. Drive Go safe, Belgium. everyone. Bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.